All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Rebecca Mendations podcast, where we talk all things business, love, and science. Today, I am joined by one of my favorite humans of all time, Nick Gray, who currently is head of partnerships and strategy at Her Black Book, which is how we met. And this gentleman has the most incredible story of all time. He worked almost a decade each at Nike and Adidas, but there's so much more to him than that. And I want to quickly give context of how we even met because Nick reached out to me wanting to get Soul Cups on her Black Book, which is honestly the most incredible app. I, I've, as a personal user of it, I've, I've really enjoyed the whole process. And, you know, he already sold us. We were there. We're sitting in the meeting room. We've, we've you know, teed up a time to catch up. And Nick starts talking and he's trying to sell. He's pitching us the story. Meanwhile, I'm like, I'm already sold, you know, cut, cut to the good stuff. Like we're in. And there's this beautiful pinnacle moment in the midst of this meeting where Nick starts talking about consumer psychology and he stands up and he's drawing on the board and he's trying to get all like, you know, I can see the passion. It's exciting. It's inspiring. And my eyes like widen and I'm smiling and he's, you know, and he's looking at me like, is she not understanding what I'm saying? <laughs> like, what, what's going on? And I get so excited and we basically completely break away from the entire pitch. You know, the other employees that are in the room are just lost. And I'm going, holy mother of God, I need to be his best friend. Because anyone that knows me knows I'm so obsessed with consumer psychology and human behavior and all the ins and outs of business. And Nick was just speaking my language and it was such a beautiful moment. We both realized how passionate we both were and thus was the beginning of a beautiful friendship. And I'm so honored to have Nick sitting across from me this morning. Hello. Hello. Thank you. <laughs> no, thank you so much for having me. I, Welcome. I'm, I'm a little bit um, overwhelmed by the comments, so flattered. Um, thank you so much. But And it was so nice hearing you talk about um, where we met. I, you know, you, you totally took me back there and it was a really... Um, special time for me because you know I am very passionate about that but to have someone um pick up and 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 have it resonate the way that it did it was literally the same feeling for me I was like oh my goodness this is someone I want to hang out with and speak with and and uh and and be friends with so it was quite funny we both basically forgot we were at the meeting and we were just talking at each other and ignoring everyone else in the room and yeah. going on this like deep tangent of human behavior analysis and yeah. how we're so deeply passionate about it but you know, I mean, for, for those of you that um, need a little bit of context, you know, you've got such a rich history of, you know, where you've worked and what you've achieved and the industries you've, you've been in. I mean, let's, I, I'd love you to give us a bit of context of, you know, what, what have you done? The, yeah, it's been <laughs> the a journey. Yeah. It's been a journey. It's incredible. Um, how far do you want to go back? Should as, we go back as, to school? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's go back to school. Um, what can I tell you about school? <laughs> I was asked to leave school. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I can see that happening. <laughs> yeah. Like, I loved school and I have had um, great memories of growing up in New Zealand and, and going to school and, and so forth. But, and I actually, you know what? I've never spoken about this. Like, if my mum hears this, she's going to oh be God. devastated. I love this. Um, okay, let's do it. Let's okay. go deep. Let's go deep. Um, I just stopped going mm. fundamentally. And I was this high school already? Yeah, 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 it was like my last year of high school. 
I was really hungry to go and get amongst something and I just really wasn't sure what that was. Mm. And I had some colleagues. From yeah, yeah. New Zealand? Yeah. Give us location. Where uh, are Auckland, you at this point? Auckland. Auckland. I'm at, at Calston Boys High School. Yeah. Um, rugby uh, school. Um, super proud sporting school. Um, uh, Graham Henry, who was coach of the All Blacks, was our principal at the time. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it was, you know, <laughs> so cool. gives you a yeah. feel of the kind of school it was... Um, Strong in, in culture, strong um, Samoan, Pacific Island and, and Māori um, uh, students, all boys. Um, uh, and, yeah, it was great. Um, I had a good, close-knit group of friends. Um, but I just kind of was a bit lost towards the end there, and so I just started not going. And then because I started not going, I was scared to start going. Mm-hmm. And then the... Yeah, my, my, the principal was basically, um, uh, and it was funny because when he became coach of the All Blacks, I caught up with him again at Adidas. And you can imagine the look on his face, right? Seeing me now being <laughs> successful. Shit yeah, yeah, that yeah. Skipping school is right? now sitting across from me in a meeting. Yeah, totally. Amazing. And uh, question. Yeah. When you weren't going, because I have a similar story where I just didn't go to school for most of my high school, but I was also very unwell. I was very depressed. I was very sick. Mm. And I had a beautiful relationship with my principal, and he actually deeply supported my mental health and allowed me to finish. That's amazing. But curious. You know, it is a mindset of anyone who's extra driven or passionate about Mm. something tends to sort of ride their own rules and, Mm. you know, step outside of that, like, everyday high school context of, like, you must show up at this time Mm. and do this and do that. Mm. Like, was it the concept of having to be told what to do that made you not want to go? Or were you already, like, were you, like, had you already finished in your mind? You're like, "I, I don't need to be here. I was searching, like I was a good student. I um, was very well, like very much liked by the teachers and um, I did what I was told and scared to step out of line and a lot of those things, right? Yeah, really. But But I was hungry to, um, I just felt like there was more and I didn't know what it was at that stage. But the teacher fundamentally got to the point where he said, either you... Um, leave or we'll expel you. <laughs> and so I raced home and said to mum, oh, yeah, it's time for me to go. It's time for me to leave school. Like, I've had enough. And she said, well, you've got to get a job. Otherwise, Fair you're staying there. And I was yeah. like, oh, wow, that's pressure. And a, a guy, Peter, um, he gave me a job in, uh, with OPSM. And oh, yeah. I studied with them. They paid for my studies. I became an optical lab technician and, and <clears throat> um, sat my exams over here in Sydney at the time. Um, and then that was my first introduction into kind of some of the sports brands because they did eyewear and sunglasses. And so I went to Adidas Eyewear and I said, look, I'm looking for an opportunity. How old are you at this point? Oh, man, I must have been uh, like, I don't know, maybe 18. That's fantastic. 19. Yeah. 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 Ni- maybe 19, mm-hmm. in, in close to 20. And, um, and initially they said no. They were like, oh, no, there's nothing there. But I stayed in touch with them and, and you know, connected. And then I was planning to go overseas. Uh, my best friend and I were going to um, travel for a couple of years. And, um, and then he committed suicide. Wow. Yeah, so that, like, threw wow. everything out the window. Hmm 
everything, like my whole... Yeah, of course, it would shatter your entire... Totally. Like, bubble of any yeah. form of understanding how life functions. Totally. Um, and I mean, we can talk about that more, but it, it, um, what it did for me is it made me go, right, I'm still going. And I okay. went overseas oh, wow. um, for nearly yeah, three for years. him as well, yeah. Yeah, it was weird. I mean, I had some friends that were over there and I, I lived in Scotland and, you know, anyone that is thinking about traveling, I, I'm a huge ambassador mm. for it. Please do it. Yeah. Don't think go. <laughs> totally. I mean, <laughs> I li- lived on the bones of my ass. You know, I was so, no money. Yeah. Everything I saved, I spent on travel and uh, um, it was the best time of my life. You learn so much about yourself. Um, your strengths, your weaknesses, opportunities, Similar holes in the to market. Being and, a business owner, right? Right. It's the same lesson. Yeah. Because you have to be responsible for yourself. If you don't yeah. do the work, you don't pay your bills. Totally. Yeah. But also, the the <laughs> negatives and the and you know the highs and lows of yeah. being by yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Pretty. Um, can be pretty extreme yeah you know one minute you're living the dream and you're on top of edinburgh castle looking out going, literally <laughs> how did i how did i get here like i can't believe i'm doing this and i'm traveling by myself and it's so amazing and next minute you're lonely and cold and uh you know you've got no money and you're just missing family and wanting to yeah. go home and so yeah you learn a lot absolutely um but when i came back um after sort of two and a bit years i um i hit adidas i wear up again same approach i've come back and because i traveled i guess it um it it ticked a lot of boxes for them did it did you find you had a new level of confidence as well like it was just an easier conversation you weren't nervous there was no like uncertainty it was just like i need to go do this i'm gonna go do it yeah Yeah. i kind of was at a point where i just backed myself a little bit more because i had this confidence of, you know, having traveled and been around the world and all yeah. this sort of stuff. So it was really cool. And anyway, I got a job um, and f- and I loved it there. I was sales and repping and for, for a couple of years. But as a result, what that meant was I could get into Adidas. Yeah. Right. And in, then... In any department or any aspect, right? Yeah, I just massaged the, um, <laughs> the relationships, right? It's a great... That's a great way to put it. Yeah. I I just was like working angles and trying to figure out who I need to be besties with and and stuff like that. Yeah. Right? And then um, this is how old I am. It's like Adidas Originals launched. Wow. Right? Holy shit. I know. This is like crazy. That's unbelievable that you were there at that time. Yeah. Right at the beginning. what absolutely took them to another level. Yeah. So when they launched that, they needed somebody that could kind of look after it and run it for New Zealand. And um, because of the relationships I'd formed, when that opportunity came up, they asked me to do it. Amazing. And then eight and a half years, I did that um, in New Zealand and and came to Australia. I was in Melbourne a lot and influenced what they were doing over here. Um, Some of the best experiences of my life, got to travel with the All Blacks and... um, Your old principal. My old principal, you know... um, but yeah, you know, I've I've never been somebody that has ever put a lot of weight on grades in school, um, and certainly never. You know, I have a seven-year-old daughter, and I always uh, am really forthcoming and making sure that she knows that if she gets a C, that's not a measurement of her as a person. You know, and I I'm really big on that. I'm, I question education a lot. 
Mm, so do I. Yeah. But that's where we also connected because we have a very similar mentality to the experiences we've been through and how we understand people mm. and life and your work and achieving and how it's mm. irrelevant to the sudden um, principles that we've been trained to believe are the only way to achieve things. Yeah, but that's we're right. also living in a time where everything is irrelevant and you can do anything there's always a way. Yeah, that's right. right. There's always a, a solution, as I like to say. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, I think what I question a lot in education is, you know, you see every other industry advancing with innovation and technology and everything's moving forward. And then, you know, my daughter is coming home with the same stuff I learned. That's unbelievable. And I'm like, what? It's unbelievable. What is, what What's are we doing? Point? Yeah. But it, I mean, think about even present time like if you had to hire someone for your team at her black book or if i'm hiring someone for salt i have never in seven years of operating cared whether they graduated whether they had a degree or whether they Mm. had a good hsc mark Mm -mm -mm. (laughs) because it is of no relevance totally to the task at hand totally you need to be teachable you need to have a good attitude you need to be solution-based thinking and you need to be passionate you nailed it. The passion for me is the number one thing, right? So there's two parts of a job for me. Um, one is the job description. So w- what is your job when you're there, when your yeah. bum's on the seat? Yeah. And the second part is the DNA. Yeah. So when I think about people growing up and figuring out what they're choosing to do in life, it's not about what you can do. It's about what you love to do. Exactly. That is your job That's when right. you're growing up. Figure out what you get excited about. And try everything as many times as you need until something clicks. Totally. Until you have that light bulb moment. Totally. And so that's really what I kind of, how I approach Ali's school. I mean, she's, mm. she's kind and she's, she's social and she interacts really well. And um, for me, I'm just like, just let's figure out what just you're excited that. about. Yeah. Then the rest will be easy. And there's time. There's so much there's time. So much time. So much time. Um, and I, and sorry, sorry, go back to um, Adidas. Like I loved, I loved my time there. I had the best time. How many years was at Adidas? Eight and a half. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, and I'm the most loyal employee I've ever met. I've never heard of like such yeah. connection to these brands because then you went on and did the same thing somewhere else. Yeah, right after, which I'm very curious to hear how that happened. Well, I, I got to a point with Adidas where it was time for me to, to go because I was just becoming a little bit stale. Mm. And um, New Zealand's a very small place. Yes, it is. And so I started to yes. get sick of, you know, I had an Adidas branded car and people oh, wow. would text me and say, hey, bro, I just saw you driving down there and oh, I, I saw your car parked at the dinner. And I, I couldn't do anything without being you seen. You could not misbehave. Yeah, I, I could, could not. I could, could not, not do anything. Anything naughty. <laughs> totally. Not that I was really like keen on that, oh, but that's not the point. Yeah, but that's not the point. Yeah. But it just made me go, oh my god, I got to get out of here. And so often, what happens in New Zealand is, if you want a career, you have to go overseas. Yeah. My brother lives in London. He's yeah. an architect designer over there, and he's been there fifteen years, and he's building wow. hotels and hospitals. And you know, you just don't get those opportunities in New Zealand. Um, it's incredible. It's an incredible country. It's just. Limited. limited. <laughs> totally. And that's it. Not limited from a holiday perspective Not or limited. raising a family. Exactly. But career, yeah. Career, you got to go. You must vacate. Yeah. Yeah. And I always think about going back one day when I'm like old and, 
you know, just want to look at outside. Nature. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Have peace. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's definitely not yet. And um, no, you're not there yet. You're no, not, it's not time. You're not no. Ready. No, no. But that's why I moved over here. Yeah. Um, I moved over initially with, with Diesel, which was an Italian denim brand. And, uh, yep. Yeah. So they which is the, also an incredible company to, be, yeah. to have been part of. So I was their brand ambassador for a year. And the guy that I was really wanting to work with um, actually passed away just before I started. And um, so it was amazing. Like we, I would go to Italy and, and they were launching a streetwear brand at the time and it just all made sense. Um, Cause diesel was huge at a certain point. It was like almost yeah, maybe 2000s, 2000s yeah, up mid-2000s. until maybe 2010. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. You were spot on. And I'm, I think I, th- I know it because um, I remember from family memories, my brother and my grandfather would love to go on Oxford Street. Yes. And do some shopping. Yes. And they used to love the diesel store. Yeah. And I remember being that annoying little, you know, younger sister or granddaughter, like making trouble and like annoying the staff or like finding like um like rubber bands to like flick at people. <laughs> I can and just, so imagine like, you doing entertaining this. Entertaining myself in this like cool store. It was such an amazing concept store. Yeah. It was very, very like grungy. Yeah. Very interesting, very nineties vibes of yeah. jeans. Um yeah, and I just remember how popular it was. Everyone was just obsessed with diesel. Yeah. And the and perfumes. They, they burnt themselves because they just kind of went a little bit too wide. Right. They were trying to be right. everything to everybody right. and kind of saturated the market. So it came off really quickly, remember? It disappeared yeah. overnight, yeah. basically. And I was only there like 2008 um, for one year, nearly a year. Mm. And then um, I went, I, I, a friend of mine was at Nike and he said, we need someone to look after Nike Sportswear, which is the fashion and streetwear side of Nike's business. And I was like, oh, that'd be amazing. And initially, like if you had asked me when I was at Adidas what I worked for Nike, I would have said, nah, no chance, yeah. right? Uh, but I just, it just kind of made a bit more sense. And um, it was a really hard, at that time, I had five interviews. I had to present in front of the company and like all these hurdles. And the more f- further I went through that process, the more I wanted it. And um, it was crazy. But anyway, I got it. And... Um, I mean, that was a decade. Yeah, but you know, the that first was, thing, right? Eight and a half years at Adidas, you can imagine how much Adidas product I had, <laughs> right? And so I couldn't wear any of it anymore. That's so funny. Yeah. So. <laughs> you're, you're stressing about getting the job in the back of your mind. You're like, my fucking wardrobe. Yeah. What am I going to do? <laughs> what am I going to wear? I can't wear Adidas to Nike. <laughs> Such a funny dilemma. Totally. And I was pretty hard on them initially because, you know, there was a lot of rumours around um, uh, child... Yes, uh, I remember this. ...labour and yes. all of this sort of stuff. It was and, a very big deal. Yeah, so I was like, talk to me about this. And, and um, I really dug deep into understanding what had happened. Um, and so it was an interesting one, actually. I don't know if, it, if the listeners know about this, but um, at that stage... Nike and a lot of companies were um, like using other factories to do their work. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so the factory was actually responsible for the employees. Correct. And so they were actually having underaged uh, workers in there. 
still Nike, uh, still Nike's responsibility to make sure they're across all that. Yeah, but yeah. what it led to was then um, Nike taking responsibility for that and actually owning their own factories from yeah. then on, which yeah. was a big shift. But I mean, that's a, if you want to talk about very quickly yeah. how companies are structured, like yeah. anything in product-based business, it's very uncommon to own your own manufacturing. Totally. You know, yeah. in, environment, costs. it doesn't happen like that. Yeah. We, we basically lean on China or any country that is the expert at manufacturing goods. Yeah. You employ them or you contractually work with them. Mm. They supply, you know, you supply them the the technical drawings of the products that you're innovating and creating. They take this, they produce these molds, whether it's clothing, mm. textiles, any product base, they manufacture it. So even like you said, it's it's the factory's responsibility for their own employees. But if you're engaging in business, you need to ensure you're meeting your own standards and values as your company. So as an example with Seoul, we look at ethical certification, we look at sustainable certification, we look at mm. making sure that everything is audit, audited yeah. yearly and we don't cut corners. It costs a lot of money to even audit the factory. They mm. don't want to do it, but mm. we make them do it. Mm. Um, that's being a conscious, you know, owner, yeah. a business owner. Yeah. So it's very interesting that it took such a huge shift for Nike to then go and actually have their own operations because that's a shit ton of money. Totally. But you think about it, right? That's why, you know, and you know, it's so important to get right because it, that story is still around today. Yeah, well, for such a sizable corporate brand, totally. you can't fuck up. No, totally. Like, Did you just swear in I, our podcast? Yes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> my daughter's going to listen to this one day. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's all right. I'm, I'm totally playing. <laughs> but seriously, it's it's um, it's an incredible conversation because it, you can look at the implications of the long term. It's actually mm. much more beneficial and much more economical to own your mm. own, but the cost to invest is huge, but at least it gives you full control. Yes. But then if they fuck up, they're really in trouble. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's um, very interesting. Yeah, and Nike's really big on that stuff, right? They so, have to be. Uh, yeah, and really big on, and everyone will know this, you know, having an opinion on, um, more so now than ever, on issues that are taking place in society, um, making it clear about their values, behaviours, principles, and what's important to them as a business. Um and and I love that. I, I love that. It was one of the things I always loved most about Nike was uh, they have these maxims and they're things like get comfortable being uncomfortable and be a sponge and break the rules. And, I can, you know, I can't, I can't think of them all at the moment, but, but all of but these yeah. mantras, right, that yeah. um, allow you to be the best that you can be as an employee that you apply to your personal life as much as when you're working Mm. And so it just blurs the lines and all you end up doing is living and breathing Nike. I mean, is this where your passion for human behavior and I think psychology yeah. began or was it already ingrained in you? Because, you know, you have to sort of be it to see it as mm. well and appreciate it. I think the thing for me... Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say I've had an easy childhood... Um, 
I mean, I don't know how much you want to know, but uh, like my dad was very violent. He was pretty abusive, um, not a good man at all. I don't see him or he should be in jail, in my opinion. But um, all of these things take a toll on you through childhood trauma and conditioning. And um, uh, I think I was always, and it's always the way, you know, those those people that are hurt the most growing up are always the ones that love the hardest. Yeah. I've always found that. 100% agree with that. And it's because you have the direct comparison. Yeah. To love deeply, you must feel the opposite. Totally. Or at least to appreciate deep love, you must have felt the complete opposite. Totally. Have gratitude and awareness to recognize what it is. Totally. Right? Totally. And I, I look at how I strive to be as a father Mm. And my motivation is everything my father was and go, I, I need to be the opposite. Yeah. And, and, and I strive really hard from that. But what, I'm, what I guess what Do I'm saying is... you find you overlove? Yeah, I'm like a little bit of a parachute parent. Yeah. I must admit. It hap- you, oh, be you careful. See it. Oh, watch out for that. You see it in like very cliche psychology analysis. Yeah. It's like everything you lacked in yourself, you give extra hard and then you become that opposite parent and then totally. we, we create our own traumas in them and it's it's a whole it's, it's an yeah. incredible cycle yeah i kind of think like if i lead with love then you can't go too wrong oh absolutely and i'm um yeah. like i'm pretty disciplined myself and so she really my daughter really loves um routine and stuff um but i'm the kind of parent that is like i've got to pull myself up and go okay let her fall you know, yeah. like let her learn, let, yeah. like let her take risks. Yeah, yes. climb up there, see what happens. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I struggle <laughs> with that so much. I want to save her all the time. It's also easier, I find, with boys. Right. Because they're, they, I, I mean, my brother has three kids. Right. Two boys, one girl, and the boys are fearless. Mm. They're literally jumping from branch to branch. Yes. They are flying off trees, yeah. dropping and rolling, no drama. Yeah. And... The little one wants to copy everything. It reminds me of me when I was a little girl. I wanted to do everything my brother was doing. Right. And the parents freak out. They're like, oh, good Lord. How dare she do the same? And meanwhile, she's like way more resilient than the boys are. She's <laughs> just yeah. absolutely winning it. But it's it's interesting, um, you know, to, to watch in, in such a yeah diverse dynamic well it's interesting isn't it because like i actually don't know how i'd go with boys and boy when 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 we first discussed having children i was like i want a boy i want a boy (laughs) and then when i had a daughter um i mean instant love straight away but it's the best thing i've ever it's ever happened to me right um but she is the type of girl and and you know this is from her mother she's not afraid to get dirty mm. she, you know rough and tumble she's always loved all of these things so she's kind of a, a tomboy as much as loving all the girl stuff but you know boys and girls process their um their testosterone differently right, That's right. boys do it very physically and girls um are, are, are quite happy to sit and and color in or yes. whatever yes yes so i definitely I feel pretty lucky to have a little girl in that regard because I don't know how I would manage with a boy going, yeah, let's go get it. You know, like, I'd be like oh, my God. My brother just throws them around. Right. <laughs> They're just flying totally. all day. Totally. Um, but, yes, so it's a, it's an interesting one. Um, but... It, I mean, bring it back to where your passion started for understanding human behavior. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
I hear you. It stems from childhood trauma in essence because you and I are very similar. We went yeah. through a lot of actually similar things, weirdly enough. Um, and I know from my perspective, I was always a deep thinker. Like I remember being mm. like eight years old, eight years old, sitting in school or wherever the hell I was having these deep analytical thoughts and mm. I, I think to myself now the way my brain worked then is mm. not so different to how it works now I was like a yeah. 40 year old in an eight-year-old body yeah and I I know that I was always different and I was an outsider and I processed the world differently but you know it did take a lot of trauma to occur to really deepen my understanding of oneself and the ability to analyze from a 360 degree angle yeah to hold compassion to hold empathy to have observation skills um and i know that that really translates into being a leader and a business owner so i'm curious when was that moment for you like when did you realize like i'm special well i tell you what (laughs) it was right i think what happened what i started to identify was the illusion that people had of me in the role that I had with Nike, it meant that these young kids would listen, mm. okay? Uh, and, and, and I mean, I was very lucky. I got, there were so many illusions. They actually worked against me as well because I was, at Adidas, I was called Nikki Three Stripe. And at Nike, I was Nick from Nike. <laughs> that was my name. Wow, yeah. And, and I was... You grew up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, there was so many illusions. I was going to all the launches. I was getting free product from this and da 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 da. Empty, empty, empty. You know, it just didn't mean yeah. anything. Yeah, of course. But um, uh, what I realized was that I could actually influence these kids and start really helping them um, outside of just thinking that you know having cool product and whatever is going to make them happy and secure credibility and etc uh, etc. Et yeah. You know, break down some of these illusions that brands and businesses create or did, you know, really clearly create to drive revenue. Correct. So that was kind of the starting point for me, but also it really helped me entertain and strive to learn more and study and, you know, um, understand, have a passion for how humans worked outside of um, uh, these, just these simple motivations to mm. uh, release dopamine, right? Yeah, exactly. Because you like know, that's all it is. yeah, yeah, you know, it It comes down to uh, the, the, the the release of chemicals. Yeah, it's uh, science. We talk, I mean, that's exactly what we talked about the first time we met. This totally. Is, this was the moment, you know, I was talking to you about why I produced our packaging the way it is and mm. how it's supposed to release the right amount of oxytocin and dopamine to make you feel slightly addicted to opening our packaging so that it releases that little burst of joy yeah. that just resonates and stays with you and makes you so attached to this cup and mm. this product that, mm. God forbid, somebody else takes it or uses totally. it in your household. Um, and that's, you know, that's where you and I clicked on that moment of how much we understand that side of business, mm. that no matter how much people get caught up in the world of influencers and mm. freak stuff mm. and you know showing face and mm. you know being of influence on social media that's the company doing its job well totally they've done what they needed to do by achieving shareable social content mm. that makes you feel like you've learned something new or that you're slightly better than your friends and mm. you've got something to boast about. Totally. Right? And that was my job at Nike. And that was your job at Nike. Totally. Is my, that not insane? 
Yeah, and you know, it's, incredible. it's funny, isn't it? Because, uh, so yeah, my job was not to drive revenue. My job was to make sure there was consumers missing out. Yeah, wow. Right? Can we go a little deeper into that? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, I, mean, I looked is, after yeah. all the limited edition stuff and it, and it changed a lot while I was there. You know, when, when I started at Nike, it was very, you know, a lot of storytelling and people were buying shoes because of the history and the construction and design. But then it moved through to a place where um, cultural currency was more important, yes. you know, and so and also people realizing that there was easy money to be made in getting a limited edition and flipping it and copying, you know, the, the cop and flip as they talk about, you know, selling it, reselling it. Um, so it became more, even more empty, you know, where initially people that got these limited edition shoes would be like, oh my God, and you see their eyes light up and they've, you know, it's, it's sparked emotions from their past and, you know, they feel like yes. they've just got the holy grail of, of footwear. And that was so wonderful. But as you move forward, you start understanding that um, you're just playing a role, you yes. know. and. Yeah. So after 10 years at Nike, I moved through to buying director of Sneaker Boy. Yes, um, that's right. Uh, and so into the luxury space. And I, I just, you know, I was a dad now and, and I couldn't, I just couldn't, didn't fit, make sense to me to have these kids lining up for four days and being a part of that. Because <laughs> um, they do. Yeah, they, they, they do. Really and spend 1500 bucks on a pair of Balenciaga Triple S and me going, yeah, that's what's going to make you happy. That's what's going to make you credible amongst your friends, right? Because I just saw through all the illusions now uh, and it just... Well, it was, it's not an illusion. It's a skill set. I think, you yes. know, we talk about consumer psychology as a science. It's the deep analytical understanding of the power of language mm. and how mm. to use it and utilize it to achieve results, goals, success, however you want mm. to say it. And when you tactically and deeply understand how to operate it as a tool, mm. not a, you know, any, a social interaction, but as an actual toolkit, anything is possible. The world is limitless. And yes. It, it begins this incredible journey of how you can then continue to tick boxes and create new goals and new successes. But if you step outside of that and look at it from an emotional perspective, mm. you have to ask yourself, do I like what I'm doing? Am I passionate about this? And am I using it for good? Because you can use good. it for good. And yeah. that's incredible. Yeah. That's exactly, that's exactly it. Yeah. I just felt like, I don't know, I felt like I was just tricking people. It's like you're so talented. You have this unbelievable, undeniable skill to understand people and the psychology of language and marketing and yeah. all of this juicy, beautiful stuff. But then where you're implementing it didn't connect to your value system anymore. Yeah. And it's always been a big challenge for yeah. me because, like, I love luxury. I love product. I love construction, innovation, technology and footwear apparel. I've always loved it. But then on the other hand, I'm also very spiritual and, you know, like love the science of the mind, the art and science of the mind and these fundamental instinctual requirements of human beings when they're shopping. And so it's been a kind of real challenge for me to be a part of that world, but then also knowing that... Like morally... It's not good. It doesn't feel yeah. you. But I'm excited because there's a lot 
um, of change in, mm. in buying as well. The value proposition, we went through this period where we were just consumers uh, and now I feel like consumers are wanting to be contributors. Yeah, I mean, look, we it almost felt like for a time we didn't have a choice. Like you look at these huge brands like Apple mm. and how well they utilized these tools that we talk about mm. to create that overconsumption um, limited edition. I must line up for 16 hours to get the first iPhone. Right. Um, you know, and it, it was this overwhelming, joyful time where there were no problems in the world. There were no mm. economical, political issues. Everything mm. was in abundance and you could spend and you could mm. not mm. worry. I mean, in, in Australia, for example, mm. everywhere else in the world is another story. But here we were like this little mm. mecca of joy for mm. a time and consumer, consumerism boomed. And then... A lot has changed, right? Yeah. We're in a different time. We're in a different mindset. And I agree with you. I think people are consciously consuming or I'm, we're hoping that that's the direction things are going in. They want to be contributors. Mm. They want to be business owners. They want to be part of the decision making and the processes to market. And yeah. people see everything, know everything, hear everything. And there is nowhere to hide as a brand any longer. Yeah, I think there's a few things, right? I think, um, you know, it used to be around, oh, if I buy, you know, and you've probably heard me say this to you before, if I buy this pot, I get all these pots and pans with it. And now it's like, just give me the pot that I need, right? <laughs> yeah. And I'm prepared to spend more. For that in one order, thing. Yeah. yeah. So it's not about like volume. And I think that, I think people will always line up for product. Yes. Because, and certainly more so now because... It's about knowledge over possession now. You know, it's people knowing the inside scoop or yes. what's hot, what's next. And they're not lining up anymore. They're hovering their thumb over the button. Totally. Right? Shopping it's, in a different like, way. I want to be part of the VIP exclusive mailing list to receive the discount code before the others do. Totally. 20 hours early so I can buy it before it sells out and I'm special and you're not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? It's interesting. But then when you break it down, you know, there's really two fundamental requirements that consumers are looking for. And that is either to have that sense of belonging to something. Community. Yep. Um, which is a, a fundamental instinctual requirement of humans That's to right. be social. Back to the chemical release. Right. It's just meeting our needs, our basic totally. needs. Totally. Yeah. And then um, disruption. So that sense of, oh, I didn't expect to see that, but that totally makes sense to me as mm -hmm. a consumer. And if you can get those two things right, um, Do you're you think winning. education is part of it too? Like I always come back to oh, that. That's, you know, like, and I talk about this a lot with you of that feeling of I've just learned a new piece of information mm. that nobody else knows mm. so I'm cooler than everyone in the room right now and I need to tell everybody about it mm. and I think that's something a lot of smart brands are doing right now I worry about that because <laughs> the way we're going about that is yes. through AI yes right? yes yes exactly right and so when you like the way I, way it works is that when you're on Instagram like if you're looking at stupid, dumb shit on Instagram, they're going to put more of that dumb shit in yeah, front of you because exactly. that keeps you on Instagram. And so what we're, what we're doing is we're making 
dumb people dumber, right? <laughs> so true. Right, and stupid and confidence is a dangerous combination. Correct. And we're seeing more and more of that. Correct. So I, you got to challenge that. You have to challenge that, but that's that's the other perspective. It's like I'm talking about organic interaction, and then yes. there is the. AI side of things that it's not necessarily the brand, yeah. it's the tools the brand is has access to, yes. and then it's the technology that the social interaction occurs on, which I is almost out of our control, yeah. because you're exactly right. If you're going to spend all day looking at videos of puppies doing stupid things, Instagram's going to feed that shit to you all day. Totally. And it's actually, the funny thing is it has a huge implication on brands because mm. As you know, with social right now, you're almost invisible if you don't spend money. Mm. So if that your target market is sitting on Instagram looking at stupid Sh- videos of puppies, yeah. you have to spend triple to get your ad in between those videos of yes. puppies. So yeah. it's making things so complicated. I mean, but this is a whole other topic and a yeah. whole other conversation, well, but it's a thought that came up. Yeah, I mean, then this is what we've seen with Her Black Book, right, from a membership perspective and and we're seeing so much more from consumers wanting to be a part of membership and memberships are the new loyalty programs, right? Um, you know why it works well? You know why it works well? Because you don't have to scroll on Instagram to right. get the deals or the offers. You've got this platform of no bullshit and beautiful curation yeah. and thoughtful, um, you know, brands that are Meaningful together, and to you, yeah, yeah. Based on industry and based on what you're searching for. There's no fluff. There's no um, distraction. And you get what you need and what you want immediately. And that's what keeps them coming back. Because they totally. know they just go to this place. Everything they need is there. And then they can go back to watching videos of puppies. Totally. That's <laughs> it. Know? That's it. And, and, and it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And the, the, the thing with Instagram is... Um, you know, we talked about AI, but also I find it's just, um, it's very easy to have it as a numbing yes, mechanism. Yes, it's a distraction when from you're, your, yes. right? And everyone knows this. I mean, we yes. all do it. We turn on TV, put on Friends, something that we all know and love and, and just has going in the background to take our minds off our real challenges, our real problems and stuff. So Instagram's the same game. Um, but I think that's where that self-awareness comes into it and really sort of saying, okay, well, what am I doing and why am I doing it? Um, uh, but I don't think we teach that. I don't think we, we learn enough about that. No, we don't learn enough about self-awareness. I think to be a conscious consumer and to be a conscious citizen and have mindfulness towards the environment and to your environment and to the people around you and to your relationships, it begins with self-awareness. Mm. And that's the other thing you and I talk about a lot is our relationships, our personal relationships, mm. our families, our friendships, and how by doing the work on ourselves, by having a deep, deep understanding of oneself mm. and ability to process and reflect and be you know, regulated in our emotional responses, we become better people to those around us. And, and I know yeah. that you've been through a, a lot and I've been through a lot this year as well. And we've almost watched each other go Supported, from yeah. yeah the real dirty horrible depths of darkness and difficulty and then come out the other side mm. and we know that that was attributed by the work we did on ourselves yeah i'm always guilty of um i i i do the work 
and I develop and I grow and I, you know, and I have this balance of physical and mental and meditation and, you know, um, everything w- works really well. And then I go on autopilot. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then it's like, yeah. oh, oh, I wonder why I'm struggling again. <laughs> and then I have to re- like revisit everything. Um, so you, you never complete the cycle is what happens. You never close the circle of here's all this juicy work I'm doing. Um, yeah. Let's actually process it and implement it and rewire the brain. Rather, you go, let me do all this really amazing work and then not complete the task. <laughs> well, I, I think about it like uh, it's no different to going to the gym, right? Everyone, yeah. you go stop going to the gym, you get unfit really quickly. Yeah. And mental well-being and, yeah, and, and is ongoing. Yeah. And so it's a, like you can't stop. You must always stay on when you're with your mental health and mental well-being, spirituality, physical. It's, it's the balance of those things I think that is really important. And I, I am far from perfect in getting that uh, mix right. Um, but I, I feel okay about it because I feel... It starts with at least challenging some of the things you think. I think the worst thing we can do as human beings is be on autopilot and just yeah. go through um, life not really going, oh, why do I do that? Or, you know, I'm really loving just being by myself all the time. Yeah, that's cool. But what is that? Isolation is very addictive. So why are you wanting well, to play that game? And the opposite is addictive. Right, same Never game. Never being alone. But I think uh, it takes something drastic to happen if you're on autopilot yeah it's very difficult to remove yourself from it Mm, somebody needs mm. to slap you in the face like Mm. something needs to happen it's very um it's deeply deeply challenging for the brain to step outside of itself yeah basically in those moments Mm. and funnily enough like i've never functioned on autopilot my brain does not stop i am Mm. constantly Mm. assessing analyzing and self considering um and that's my downside as much as my talent and skill is yes. that i don't stop but do you can i ask you a question do you because i know like i live in my head a lot similar to you and then i often forget to feel and stop and go okay well what am what yes. am i feeling yes because i've just lived the logic scenario through my head do you find you do that yeah so i i mean my story is different to yours i dealt with chronic pain my whole life yeah so my uh instinctual survival tactic was to switch off my emotions because i was able to regulate my pain receptors i was able to physically control pain from being so overwhelming that i was a constant asshole because imagine like you know if you stub if you're walking and you hit your toe on a table Mm -hmm. it's like the most painful thing on earth and it's like this lingering and you just want to like punch a wall yeah yeah. imagine being in that kind of pain in your whole body 24 7 you can't be a nice person right you're going to be short-tempered aggravated agitated frustrated all the time yeah so my entire life up until the last year was spent regulating my own emotional response to the pain in my body so i wasn't an asshole to the people around me it's very challenging so Mm. in turn of regulating that and trying to keep myself together i had to switch off a lot of my own emotional you know uh connections because Mm. It's like you can't have one or the other in essence. So it's really my, interesting. My biggest lesson basically now has been how do I feel and have I processed those feelings 
and have I expressed and communicated those feelings effectively mm. based on what my needs are? Yeah. And it's interesting because I, I, funnily enough, I've just been doing a lot of research on behavior, mm. you know, but behavior in the sense of um, how we change behaviors. And like I've always been a strong believer that there's no toxic people in the world. It's just yeah, toxic, toxic behavior. <laughs> yes. Right. Yes, I hear you. I and hear that you. behaviors can be changed. Of course. But what I've been learning about is that even toxic behavior, um, there's a positive that the person gets from that behavior. Does that make sense? What person? The receiver of that behavior no, or the person innately within themselves? Innately within themselves. They do it for a positive outcome. And like if you yes. think about it for what you, you were talking about there, it's fundamentally because all your energy and focus was on managing the pain that you were going through. You just didn't have the scope or breadth the toolkit. to, to yeah. manage relationships or yeah. patients. Or, and that totally makes sense. So you were doing it to protect yourself. And, and those around me. Uh, yeah. yeah. It totally and, makes I mean, sense. You think about it in a love scenario, in a relationship, like a toxic person, a narcissistic person. And if you break down their behavior patterns, mm. the reason they're behaving in such a toxic way is because they want love conditioned yeah right? trauma like whatever it might at, be yeah if we look yeah. at the core crux of most people who are toxic narcissistic behaviorists mm. they're lacking self-love and mm. that's what they're asking for just like a child would throw a tantrum when you don't buy them the toy yeah you know, or you don't pick them up or you don't you yeah. know, do what they want. It's the same thing, but as an adult, essentially. Yeah, right? and I'm certainly not saying that that behavior needs to be condoned or tolerated or, you know, like... But I hear what I hear you. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. It is for the good in essence that it totally. exists because they're filling the space that, that they just don't understand. Totally. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been, a, it's been an interesting journey from that perspective and understanding mm. some of that stuff. Um, because there's there's two parts to that, and that is the conditioning of your upbringing, yes, and what yes. you've learned and been taught as 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 a, a child and and a youth, and then the second part is um, whether your needs are being met and you understand what those needs are. That's where it starts, though. Yeah, that's that's the big thing that everybody forgets is that. It's all well and good to, you know, stand in the rain and, and cry. But if you don't know mm. why you're crying or, you know, if you're holding an umbrella, it's like, yeah. you know, you really have to get to the crux of what is it you actually need, whether it's from yourself, whether it's from your partner, whether it's from your family or your relationships mm -hmm. or friendships. If you don't mm. actually understand, you don't get to complain. Totally. That's what I that's that's how I look at it. You can't sit and complain if you don't understand what you need. Yeah, yeah. It's hard, isn't it? Because when you're in the storm, it's hard to go, oh, yeah, I need to stop and think about what I need. <laughs> it's, it's hard to look down and totally. go, oh, I've got an umbrella in yeah, my hand. Let right. me just open it. It's crazy. Yeah. And that's how consumer behavior works, everyone. So <laughs> I think we've summed it all up. So it's amazing. Um, I, think, I think the big things right now is with consumers, get back onto retail and consumers, is that the... the the two things that have fundamentally have changed so much is we don't know where consumers are at on their journey anymore. Yes, and we've so, lost all connection to that. Yeah, so it's hard to yes. know what we need to do to, to speak to them in a meaningful and authentic way. 
and we have to kind of do it all. Yes, because um, I think what's getting lost is we're now no longer sure of your needs, but we definitely are sure of your wants. And mm. if you're smart as a like a, a company, or if you're a, a you know intelligent operator, what we do is tell you what our needs are and what mm. our mission is and mm. what our values are as a brand, as a company. And we hope that the right audience will be attracted to that because we yeah. can no longer source you out. You mm. have to come to us. We'll create space, safety, environment, culture, and all the goodness mm. of what this brand is trying to be and yeah. achieve. And we will we'll ask you to join our family and our community. And I think that's where it's heading now. Yeah, I think the big thing is trying to, to humanize brands, right? Yes. And saying, yes. you know, here's my beliefs, here's my values. This is what consumers are looking for as well. They're, they're saying, well, what's the positive impact that that brand or business is having on me, but also the world around me? That's right. And, we and can't so, deny that that is how people are thinking now. Totally. And thank God. Yeah, I think it's right? Incredible. It's positive. Yeah, yeah, totally. And so the 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 thing for now is that they they are wanting relationships. They're wanting to understand you and your business as a as a human. Like what are your principles? What are your behaviors? What are the things that you be, believe in and are they um, like-minded to my beliefs? You know what's scary about this though? Sure. This is how cancel culture gets created. Right. <laughs> It's my, my brain goes there because I was just watching um, something unfold on social media last week about an influencer who is a business owner who said something really stupid and now they're being attacked by all the influencer mm-hmm. watchdog accounts. And it is petrifying. Yeah. You can't slip up. No. And I think celebrity and influencers still play a massive, massive yes. role in, in brands yes. with brands and businesses. I think the bit that interests me at the moment is how blurred, like if you look at luxury, right? It used to just be mature consumers that were because fundamentally, they had the money. right? And it was very exclusive. Yes. And now when you, get you look invited. at Do you remember you get invited in the mail? Yeah. I remember my mom would get the most beautiful handwritten like mm. calligraphy gorgeous note from you know one of her favorite jewelry designers that you know she would obviously invest in and it was like this invitation to come to the special vip night and yeah. the only people that are there are sort of similar age and demographic and it was just an interesting little marketing ploy but it felt so special mm. and exclusive and now the people that are there are the 20 year olds yeah but this is the thing with luxury now, it's spread across, you know, Gen Z, millennials, yes. like it, there's not one but what demographic. Is well, this is the thing, they're buying it for different reasons, right? Yes. So if you look at Balenciaga, there's there's people that want the branding right across their the front of their sweatshirt and saying, Balenciaga, because they want you to know they're wearing Balenciaga. And then there's a more mature consumer that likes the quality premium execution of manufacturing and is not wanting the label splattered all over it. Mm. And so the motivations for buying, the reasons for buying are very, very different across those demographics. Um, And you need to meet all of their needs. Totally. But then I challenge what is luxury. I challenge that wholeheartedly because, you know, it's creating such a complex dynamic in the thought process of young people needing to be successful and what success means to them because Mm. they're looking at their favorite influencer who's 21 years old, Mm. who's walking around with the most beautiful Prada handbag that they've been gifted 
because they're an influencer. Yeah. They can't afford that. No. They don't have the wages or the salary to afford that. Yeah. They've been given it for free, but then the, their followers are expected to go out and purchase these goods. Yeah. So what is... But I think that that's that changed doing? as well, right? Because people see through that influencer now... And and that's but where it, I don't think it's changing. I think they see through it, but they still want it, and they're still influenced. Do you think that's changed? I think even myself, growing up, I've always gone, "Oh yeah, I want what he's got," and you know, like I don't think so. I think inherently it is a human behavioral pattern that is so deeply ingrained in us that even if you're the best person, mm. the most logical, mm. um, grounded, thoughtful human, mm. it is very easy to be sitting there scrolling through Instagram even if you're highly intelligent it doesn't mm, matter and, mm. and you see a beautiful model yeah. or a friend of yours who's got the most amazing thing and it looks gorgeous because it's aesthetic and it's styled and you're like I want that thing yeah I, I agree with you, <laughs> you I know? think the volume's been turned up on the comparison game yes you know from that's social right. media that's right it's a dangerous little game um I mean what do we do with that that's that's the question is what's next what where do brands and industries go next because it's ever changing and things are becoming so much more difficult to hold authenticity and that space for transparency because there's just so much fluff everywhere yeah I don't see it changing um Mm. but I think you know if I think about it from my daughter you know You've got two choices. You either turn it off and not let them touch it, which is impossible. 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 And, and and but for me, it's about having that education and understanding yes. of what this is. And yes. um, you know, like I'm a big believer in exposing Alia to digital. Right. The reality is, is she's going to be working on things that absolutely I've never even touched. That's right. Right. And so she needs to be like you know she's coding and all of this sort of stuff. And I'm like. Great. I'm not sure what you're doing, but that's amazing, right? And so that's only the tip of the wow. iceberg of yeah. what yeah. she's going to be that's doing right. and she yeah. needs to know about. She's going to be building robots. Right. Oh, God, <laughs> let's not talk about it. But yes, but yes. So it's a really interesting time, but we've got to embrace it, but but understand it for what it is. Yeah, I think that's the big takeaway here amongst our entire conversation. The whole context of what we're trying to say is when you have deep understanding of yourself, of your self-awareness and your consciousness, you can make better decisions mm-hmm. by processing information, Yes, basically. And that relates to your personal life, your mental health, your well-being, your relationships, your partners, your family, your business, your working environment, your job and the goals you're achieving with your brand or whatever it is that you do it's like the key here when it comes to consumer psychology human behavior what you and i understand so deeply Mm. is that it all starts with self-awareness and the ability to have that 360 degree viewpoint and analysis and process from places of empathy from compassion and from self-awareness yeah it's literally for me it's literally saying why yeah on everything, right? Yeah. Why, 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 yes. why? Why yes. are we doing this? Yes. What is? Why are? Why is that important? Da 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 da, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But if I think the one thing I would say about brands now is that it's moved away from, you know, you talk about purpose, and purpose is still, in my opinion, the number one priority. Understanding yeah. why you exist, um, but it's moved from why do we exist outside of making money to 
if if my brand is the answer, well, what's the question? Yes. Right. And you know what? So a couple of years ago, I did a talk in Melbourne um, for a coffee brand called Grow Assembly. It's this incredible organization. And the topic was curiosity. Mm. And the talk that I gave was curiosity leads to innovation in all aspects. And that summarizes what you're saying, which is ask questions. Yes. Be curious and investigate and ask why. And that comes from a position of a consumer and a producer. Yes. You need to be curious because with curiosity leads to finding out the question of your purpose. Totally. Right? And it's this is where it begins. We're going back to school here. You know, the big thing you learn at school is don't make mistakes. Right. Right. Oh, you, you don't make mistakes. Oh, you made a mistake. And now we, You're in we, trouble. we're in trouble. Right. Or you get a bad grade. But we, that's, went, we went that's, to different schools. <laughs> that's how you learn, yeah. right? Yeah. We gotta, yeah. and you got to be okay. And this is why I, part of the reason why I accepted the job um, with, with Julie and Sally at Her Black Book was because it's startup, it's new, yeah. you know, and now I am so uncomfortable again and I'm having to be vulnerable and make mistakes again. But that's how you gotta, that's how you got to live. Yeah, Make exactly. mistakes, understand what, how, what you're learning from them. It's the key to success. I, somebody very wise once told me, um, you know, it's all well and good to learn from your own mistakes, but if you're really smart, you'll learn from everybody else's. Totally. And I love that because it reminds us that we don't have to go through trauma to be better. Totally. And to grow. And I, I think it's a soft approach to saying, although you and I went through a lot and it made us the people we are and we have no regret for anything, what I know now in my life and where I am is that I don't have to suffer anymore. No. I don't need to go through anything else ever again that's going to hurt me or harm my well-being or my mental health, but I can continue to develop and grow through the right circles, the right relationships, curiosity, mm. self-awareness and development, mm. but I don't have to face trauma. That's because you look at it so, I mean, I wish I was there as well. Like you look at suffering as the opportunity, right? Yes. See, I still, I'm almost there. I try to be there. Look at it in the sense of if you are going through it, Mm. then you use it to your advantage. Mm. But if you're in a place in your life where you're proud of where you are, you've got a good friend circle, you've Mm. got great relationships with your family, you've worked on yourself, you're at a good point, Mm. you can also break that cycle of thinking the next time I go through something bad is the next time I'll develop. Mm, mm, you mm. can actually just continue to grow and self-develop without facing new trauma by having the awareness of the mm. environment around you mm. and being observational to see, you know, what opportunities are at hand, but also learn from other people's mistakes and hear stories and, you know, grow from that as well. Totally. I, I, love, I love that because that's... You know, someone I said to someone, oh, you know, like I used to I used to dance and I used to want to be an actor and stuff like that. And I said to um, a, a friend of mine once, like, how do I do this? And he went on and, and danced for Michael Jackson and like all these amazing people. And he was like, um, he was like, you steal. And I was like, what do, you, what do you mean? And he's like, steal, 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 steal the information. It's all out there. You know, like people, you can learn what you need to learn. I think to flip that on its head rather than the term steal, because it's such a negative connotation, it's like take space. 
Yeah. Like take what you need. And you know what? Actually, Simon Sinek does an amazing little um, snippet, a little like reel on this. And it was, he was saying that, you know, you can get to where you need to go without harming those around you. Yes. And, you know, there's that big corporate culture of like climbing the ladder and stepping over people to get what you want. It's like, totally. no, you can climb the ladder without laying a finger on a single human around you and impacting anybody else negatively. You can get everything you want. You can achieve every goal. You can rise to the highest mountain and the highest peak of your success mm. by taking what you need without causing any negativity to those around you. Yeah. But it does require self-awareness. Totally. Right. And when, when this guy Shannon spoke about stealing, all he was referring to was the fact that there are so many people that have yes. gone through the process Yes. There's so much information out there yes. to learn about Ask subject questions. matters. Yes. Like you don't have to feel like you need to reinvent the wheel. It's, That's right. It's been done time and time again, you know, and anyone will tell you, most people will tell you, um, successful people will tell you that they don't believe that they've like, they're anything special. That's right. They're just normal people that have logically processed something because of their understanding of it. Yeah, right? it's, it's, the reality of a successful person, every successful mentor I've ever had in my lifetime says the same thing to me. Mm. I don't know everything. S remain curious and have smarter people around, around you, you all, <laughs> all the time. Always. And that's it. And, and it comes down to that um, place of um, no ego and holding space and holding compassion mm. for those around you where you don't know everything. And mm. the more successful you get, the less you know, <laughs> because totally. you're at higher heights of, you know, achieving and processing and information. And you're of such influence to those around you. If you're a good leader, you're at service constantly. Totally. And how can you know everything if you're at service to a group of diverse, dynamic humans who are constantly changing every day as well? Yeah. So you have to be learning constantly. Totally. And you have to be developing constantly. Totally. Yeah. And that's challenging, right? Because, like, I often have this feeling of um oh people are gonna figure me out realize i'm not that person right it's a um what do they call that um what like imposter syndrome yeah but i mean right. look that's a whole other conversation anyway we don't need to talk about that but what i'm saying is yeah um yeah like i feel like i like i totally agree with you yeah. always surround yourself with people that yeah. are no more that you're this you know not the smartest person in the room um yeah you, that's how you learn that's, that's how, how you, you learn. learn and you grow it's amazing yeah. I mean, look, we can talk for hours. Sure. We can talk forever. And, and we're going to. And we're so, going to. No, no, I'm kidding. But I want, I want to leave this on a bit of positive, yeah. you know, inspiring, empowering notes of, you know, if anyone is listening to this and going, I want to know more. I want to, I want to be this. I love this energy. I'm excited by this. Um, where do they start? What, what? piece of advice can you give anybody that's sort of maybe just on their journey of self-development or, or understanding human behavior or psychology is, is you know where where do you begin in this world yeah i think th there's two things for me and, and firstly it's understanding that it's an inbound journey not an outbound journey right society's going to teach you that oh if you get the car and the house and the wife and the child and the dog you're going to be happy that's absolute crap and don't let that dictate where you're at in, in your life. So go inward, right? That is the first and foremost. The second thing I would say is know that your superpower 
is you being you. That is the one thing that you have to continually remind yourself. It's how you do it. It's how you think about it. It's how you talk about it. It's, it's you, you, you. That's what makes you special. And you, that is your unfair advantage because there is nobody in this world like you. And that's, that's the two bits from me. I think that's beautiful. I think that's an incredible summary of everything we've spoken about. It's remain curious and hold space for yourself. And I, I don't want this conversation to end. You're one of my favorite people and you bring so much value to my life and to those around you. And I'm so honored that you got to join me today. Oh, no, thank you so much for having me. It's, I was looking forward to it. As soon as you asked me, I was like, okay, when are we doing it? When are we doing it? We're doing it again. We'll have you back. Thank you. And we'll talk about so much more. And there's so much more to discuss. But I know there are so many golden nuggets within this. And anyone listening will hold so much value from just this one hour of chatting. And Nick, you're amazing. Thank you. Thank you. And now have some croissant. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you.